Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by teaching pastor Clayton Keenan and executive pastor Eric Ferris. Guys, we're getting into the book of Leviticus today. Celebratory noises. Oh, come on, Eric. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Let's dive into Leviticus <laughs> So for the next 200 years. So here's the thing about Leviticus. It's it's an odd book made up of a lot of odd rules. And so I thought it might be kind of fun to, I don't know, hear from you guys. Like, did you guys have any kind of like weird house rules, you know, like at your home? Like your, your parents kind of set them. Like for me, mine was like, no, no shoes, no shoes allowed in the house. Whoever came over, you had like, even if it was down to our own family, no shoes. Yeah, we, we had uh, a similar rule, but it was almost the opposite in our house. We were not allowed to take our socks off. So, yeah, so we could we, we we took off our shoes, but we had to keep on our socks, uh, and it was mostly because my dad just doesn't like feet. He thinks they're gross. I, I think I think at one point there was like a scare of like some foot fungus or something in the house, and he whatever. But like it mostly was he just doesn't like feet, so learning, we always kept our socks on. We're learning Whoa. so much about Clayton's dad. Hold on a second. So how many years did you go as a kid having to wear socks all the time? Uh, until I moved out, which was, I was 22. I mean, I went to college, but for 22 years, I, I lived in my home. Hey, listen, y'all, there is nothing we're going to read in Leviticus that is as weird as what Clayton <laughs> just shared about his upbringing. Your I, dad had the ultimate anti-foot fetish. That yeah, is I, unbelievable. I, the thing is, I, I hate wearing socks on like carpet. I hate how it feels. So in my room and in my home now, I, I never wear socks. Didn't you used to preach barefoot? Oh, that's no, we're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Ferris, you got any weird rules uh, in your I've house? Already, I've already shared in previous episodes about phone jail at our dinner table. Uh, another rule we have in our house is do not ever ask us questions about your friend while your friend is standing there. So, so what? in other words, like, so they might have a friend over and they're wondering, can so and so stay over for dinner, right? And so my kids know, if you ask me if Johnny can stay for dinner while Johnny is standing there, not only is the answer no, but I'm going to explain to Johnny that the reason that the answer is no is that my kids know that they're never supposed to put me on the spot and ask me questions like that while people are standing there. So not only do they know they're going to get a no, but they also know that I'm going to confront the fact that they actually <laughs> asked them the in question. front of their friend. Oh, man. Good stuff. All right. Well, Clayton, we're starting in the book of Leviticus, so... Kind of fill us in on some context. Tell us what passage we're looking at. Go for it. Yeah. So we, we've been reading in Leviticus a little bit. We started last week with uh, the first chapters here. And it just the, those first chapters are very procedural. They're all about like, here's how to give a sacrifice. And it goes through all sorts of different kinds of sacrifices. And uh, just as a, a shortcut for that, okay, just, just to kind of make sense out of it, um, one, check your study Bible. Most study Bibles have charts about, hey, this is what the sacrifices mean. Um, but even if you don't have a chart, here's a simple way to think about it. All of these sacrifices at the bottom line were a way of saying to God some very simple things. Sometimes they were a way of saying, sorry, I've, I've blown it, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying sorry. Sometimes they were ways of saying, thank you, you provided, and I'm giving an offering. Sometimes they were ways of saying, I love you, like you are a wonderful, amazing God, I want to worship you. Uh, they, were, they, they were almost 
in a childlike way, a way of expressing these basic things to God. Like, I want to be with you. I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, And it may sound very strange, but at its heart, that's what they were. They weren't just rituals. They were an expression of that heart. So keep that in mind as we read through the book and and encounter more sacrifices. But here's uh, the, the, the big context you should think about as we read Leviticus. The people of Israel have just built the tabernacle, which is this home for God, where God is going to live with them. He's moved into town, and it is an incredible privilege for God's home to be present with them. And God is saying, here are my house rules. If I'm going to be in your neighborhood and you're going to come into my home, here's how I want you uh, to live and act in the way I want you to go about this. Keep your socks on. Keep keep your socks on. And uh, sometimes those things are a little bit unusual. Oftentimes there's things underneath the rules that when you get into it, uh, actually makes some more sense. Uh, but you can almost think of it if, um, if suddenly the U.S. Capitol got moved to, let's say, DeKalb or St. Charles or somewhere near us, and all of a sudden, the way we had to operate within our, our town was different because we had secret service and we had you know the privilege of having the capital here. But now there were kind of new rules, new protocols, and ways of approaching that. That's kind of what this is. Uh, but it's amped up because it's the presence of God. So what we're going to read today is actually the very first day that the tabernacle is in operation. So the, the priests, the guys who work at the tabernacle, who can access the presence of God for, on behalf of the people, this is their kind of installation day, like the day when they first go about their job for the first time. And that's that's important context as we read. So, uh, Eric, we're going to read in chapter 9, and we're going to read a little bit into chapter 10. Go ahead. Man, last week, I had you read four verses, and this week, you give me a whole chapter mm. plus 10 verses. You I had think your there's... chance. We'll see what next week holds. Okay. On the eighth day... Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. He said to Aaron, take a bull calf for your sin offering and a ram for your burnt offering, both without defect, and present them before the Lord. Then say to the Israelites, take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb, both a year old and without defect for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for a fellowship offering to sacrifice before the Lord together with a grain offering mixed with oil. For today, the Lord will appear to you. They took the things Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meeting, and the entire assembly came near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded you to do, so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Moses said to Aaron, Come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and the people. Sacrifice the offering that is for the people, and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron came to the altar and slaughtered the calf and as, as a sin offering for himself. His sons brought the blood to him, and he dipped his finger into the blood and put it on the horns of the altar. The rest of the blood he poured out at the base of the altar. On the altar he burned the fat, the kidneys, and the covering of the liver from the sin offering as the Lord commanded Moses. The flesh and the hide he burned up outside the camp. Then he slaughtered the burnt offering. His sons handed him the blood, and he sprinkled it against the altar on all sides. They handed him the burnt offering piece by piece, including the head, and he burned them on the altar. He washed the internal organs and the legs and burned them on top of the burnt offering on the altar. Aaron then brought the offering that was for the people. He took the goat for the people's sin offering and slaughtered it and offered it for a sin offering as he did with the first one. He brought the burnt offering and offered it in the prescribed way. He also brought the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burned it on the altar in addition to the morning's burnt offerings. He slaughtered the ox and the ram as the fellowship offering for the people. His sons handed him the blood, and he splashed it against the sides of the altar. 
but the fat portions of the ox and the ram, the fat tail, the layer of fat, the kidneys, and the long lobe of the liver, these they laid on the breasts, and then Aaron burned the fat on the altar. Aaron waved the breasts on the right thigh before the Lord as a wave offering, as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and blessed them. Having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of all people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. Moses summoned Mishael and El-Zaphon, I don't know if I pronounced that right, sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, and said to them, Come here, carry your cousins outside the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. So they came and carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp, as Moses ordered. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons Eleazar and Ithamar, Do not let your hair become unkempt, and do not tear your clothes, or you will die, and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But your relatives, all the Israelites, may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting, or you will die, because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did as Moses said. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting, or you will die. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, so that you can distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. And so you can teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. All right, there is a lot in there. Uh, Some of it strange, some of it shocking, Uh, but let's start making some observations and try to make sense out of this. What do you guys see? There's a lot of different offerings. (laughs) Yes, there are. There are. They're going through, you know, this one and then that one and kind of describing the, the procedures of that. Yeah, each one had something different. Yeah. Different way to offer it and stuff. Uh, it it feels it felt to me like a bit of a big setup in terms of like they're going through all of these offerings and it's telling us they did it exactly the way that they were told to do it. But then at a certain point, two guys do something that they weren't told to do and mm-hmm. there are negative consequences. So it feels like there's a contrast in play here. Yeah, there's definitely, you get that repeating word of what the Lord has commanded, as the Lord has commanded, as God commanded Moses, that sort of thing. And then uh, it says, contrary to his command. It's, it's, it's very much a theme that's, that's going on there. Um, and, and again, this is one of those ones, like, remember, this is the first time. So, like, I, I always find it important to remember, like, th- this is not uh, like, how yeah, one day we just happened to, like, you know, you know something slipped or whatever, like... This is this is the very first time they're doing it. They've just heard the commands, like, you know, that, so there, there's something urgent about, are you doing it the way I just told you? So verse 6, there's a question. Verse 6 says, Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded you to do, so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Hadn't the glory of the Lord already appeared to them? Like, remember how we were talking about how, like, the, there was the cloud and the bright 
glorious cloud and then the fire cloud. You know what I mean? Like, what's the, what's that? What's the deal? <laughs> what's the deal? What's the deal? Come on, guys. What's the deal with that? What still is that? You're expecting me to answer? Yeah. Like, I, I just, you're no, a, com- a good question. You're a well, guy in this you're episode. You're a good question. Uh, <laughs> well, I just think it's interesting. Like, well, had... Why did it say this is, it, it'll not, like for today, the Lord will appear to you. Hadn't he already done that? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't read that as an initial appearance, like God has been away. And unless you do these things, he's going to stay away. Mm-hmm. I read it as God saying, I want to be with you. I've already demonstrated this, but there's a, there's a way that you need to behave for that to be possible. And if you don't do these things, then it can't be possible. Because yeah. there's there's something about the holiness and the presence of God that we don't fully grasp, and we tend to treat it with a triviality and a lightness that we ought not. And so I I, th- I think that's probably what's behind it is how to function when the presence of God is there. Yeah. there there's something there's something too that's uh, unique about this time when it says the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering. It almost feels like there's the result. Like so that I may appear to you when they offer it. Unlike the typical time, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like this happened every day when they would offer the sacrifices, but for this initial time, for God to say, here's the fire. And there, there are a few other places in the Bible where you see that as these sort of like marking God saying, I really am accepting this. I really am taking this. Uh, this I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm pleased with this sacrifice. That makes sense. Remind me again, there is an acronym for what we're doing right now. We're, we're, doing, the com- <laughs> we're doing the comma method, right? And we're doing observations, which we do every episode because we're demonstrating the comma method. But you look for certain things, and, yeah. the, and the acronym in the Bible Savvy books is TREATS, right? Treats. T-R-T-S. And those four letters stand for what again? Theme. Theme. All right, yeah, we got that one. R is repeated word or phrase. S is something, or what well, did I do <laughs> T, in right order? T, T is truth about, truth about God. And then S is something striking. Yes. Okay. So truths about God. You read this. And like Nikki, your question, like make sure you do this so that my my presence can appear to you. Uh, one of the truths I think we see in here is that God wants to be with His people. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, I uh, we we talked about those sacrifices. If you look at verse twenty two, it, it it sums it up. It says they sacrificed a sin offering, a burnt offering, and a fellowship offering. So uh, this is from previous chapters, but just to explain what those are, sin offering is w- when you're saying sorry. That's the sorry one. You say, I'm, I shouldn't be allowed to come into your presence. I've got sin, and I need to take care of that. So it talks about atoning. That means uh, you know, uh, taking away the guilt of that sin. The burnt offering was when they would burn the entire sacrifice, and it almost was a way of saying, God, you get all of me. It, sometimes it's called the whole burnt offering. And then the fellowship offering was actually eaten together with people uh, in the, the 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 tabernacle there, and so it's like a meal. So you can almost think of this as a sequence. Like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't come into your presence, but I'm going to be cleansed from that. I'm going to offer my whole self to you, and now we can share a meal together. And if you're wondering where I got that, it's from the previous chapters of Leviticus where it describes these things. But it's it's God inviting the people into His home, saying, "Let's let's be together." Mm, that makes me want to go to a fellowship hall in a church and have me some potluck. <laughs> Did any of you uh, find any of this a little gross? It's a lot of blood. There's a lot yeah. of blood, right? Blood. Uh, Leviticus is a gory book when it comes down to it. There's a lot of animals getting killed, and I, you would not be strange if you found it a little, like, you know, stomach-turning, a little squeamish about this. Um, I think it's important to remember. So, like, I, I eat meat every day, you know what I mean? Most, most days. And every, every 
day? Well, there was there was a stretch. I I, I did a I did a stint as a vegetarian, but most days. I well, mean, no me, kidding. That was the same stint of your life where you were preaching barefoot, right? <laughs> we're, Makes again, sense. we're not talking yeah. about this. We're good. Um, the <laughs> but here's the thing: when uh, when we have meat in our home, it comes in a styrofoam package wrapped in plastic, and that's that's just how that's how beef looks. You know, that's how chicken looks. Um, I got relatives who are farmers, and and for them, if you say, "What does meat look like?" They're going to point to a to a cow out in the field and then say, "Well, we slaughter that, and we we see all of the mess and and so on." The people of of this era, when they're they're hearing this, they're not see, thinking something like, "Oh, that's what that's what it's like." They're saying, "Well, no, that's that's what happens when you kill an animal." So they're not quite as shocked by the blood or the, by the organs. They're saying, "Well, no, that that's." That's what happens when you you slaughter and butcher an animal. My wife is always grossed out at the the blood juices at the bottom of the packaged meat. <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing that I thought was really interesting, I guess that the striking part was like the fire came out and it consumed it. Like, and it he did that in front of all the people. Like, I wonder if it was like, <gasps> yeah. you know, like that kind of a thing. And then it says like it says all the people saw it. They shouted for joy and then they fell face down. So it was kind of like this, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Oh wow, this is really awesome. Let me, <laughs> like, oh, whoa, is it okay for me to look at that? Like, yeah. Like, the, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah, like joy and, and awe. Most of the times in the Bible, when anyone is experiencing the presence of God in a specific way or an angel shows up, humans are on their faces. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there's a, sometimes when you're reading something, it's a story and, uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's prose. So it's kind of paragraph after paragraph. Sometimes in the Bible, it will switch to poetry. Like you'll get a few lines even where you even look at it in the Bible. It's kind of formatted differently. It looks like, it looks like a, a poem that happens in chapter 10, verse three. And it says, among those who approach me, I will be proved holy in the sight of all the people. I will be honored. And sometimes when that happens, that's a little highlight to say, hey, uh, let me tip, tip you a little bit of what the main idea is here. And so I, I think that's an important one to observe. Among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. How would, how would you explain what, what we mean when we say God is holy? Uh, I think we get uh, probably a bit of a, a tip on that later on when it talks about differentiating between holy and common. Mm-hmm. Um, and Unclean so, and clean. Yeah, so altogether different, um, not ordinary. Those are the kinds of words that pop into my head. Yeah. Yeah, he's just, he's on another level. There's nothing can compare to him. Yeah, yeah. There's something set apart, something distinct. Yeah. And, and if you're going to be with him... You're going to be set apart. You're going to be mm-hmm. distinct, and there there may be even a standard that's that's different than just the the ordinary sorts of things that are okay. Um, you, you even notice this when it says, "Hey, you you've got relatives that died. You're not allowed to do the normal things you would do when you were grieving in that culture, like you know, tear your clothes or whatever. Because if you're going to come in my presence, you're not you're not bringing the presence of death with you. Like this is a holy space. You're not going to come and represent that. So when you're on duty, you don't you don't get to do that here. Well, this is a, this is, this is a distinct place. Um, and even the, uh, you know, you're not allowed to drink wine or fermented drink. That's not, that's not uh, like a rule that all Israelites follow. They, they drink wine, but the priests weren't allowed to do that because there's something even more distinct about them. They've got this duty that nothing can jeopardize, you know? Yeah, it's like they needed to kind of stay level-headed <laughs> stay in what level-headed. they were doing. 
Yeah. Stay stay clear. Yeah. I'm playing a game with my study Bible right now. Uh, Tell us about it. Because in the in your study Bible, if you look at the at that verse, among those who approach me, I will be proved holy in the sight of all people. I will be honored. There are several several cross references just for that short little verse. Hmm. It takes you to Exodus 19, Exodus 30, Leviticus 21, uh, Ezekiel 28, and Isaiah 49. So, and I started, uh, Clayton, sorry, I should have been giving you my full attention, but I will admit right now that I was partially listening, but partially flipping the pages of my Bible to go to all these different verses. Um, and man, you just start to get a sense of what God is communicating about His holiness and how to treat his holiness as you as you bounce around and you look at these different verses. So just a reminder for all of you out there, sometimes uh, when you're reading the Bible and you see those little uh, superscript letters, and then you go to that middle column in your study Bible and it sends you to some other verses, sometimes it's good to take a detour and yeah. check those things out. Well, we're going to move on to the M in comma. We're going to do some meditation here. And uh, I want us to actually meditate on that, that verse there in, uh, in verse 3. Uh, So I'm going to read it again here. We're going to take just about 45 seconds. And again, meditation is just prayerful reflection, uh, listening to God and and pondering what His Word means and what He has to say to you. So I'm going to read it, and we're going to take 45 seconds to do that. It says, Among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Let's go to the next M in comma, which is message. Take some of your observations, and what message do you get out of this? I'm going to lock in on verse 10 so that you can distinguish between the holy and the common, the unclean and the clean. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that's that's going on here is... Uh, the Lord is trying to help us to understand that all things are not equal. All things are not of the same kind. All things are not in the same category. Uh, and there, there is a, a different way to think about the Lord and His presence and His Word um, that is, should not be treated like normal everyday stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of zeroing in on the same thing, but verse 11 says... And so you can teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. And I know that God is saying that specifically to Aaron as a priest, that he is supposed to distinguish between the holy and the common, and the clean and the unclean, in order to teach the people. I think it stands out to me as well that individually, as as a person myself, I need to distinguish between 
the holy and the unholy, the clean and the, the unclean, so that I can be set apart for myself. But also, as a believer, I have the responsibility to help others come to know the decrees of the Lord. And I do that by understanding what's clean and unclean and holy and unholy. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Like, it does. Yeah. Like, there's the. I'm doing it for myself. So I can be set apart for God, but I'm also doing it so that I can help other people know how they should live. Yeah, yeah. These priests, it was clear that they didn't in their own life care enough about those things to to distinguish it. So when they go and say, yeah, and so you should also obey, like if if you're not making that distinction in your own life... You can't convey that to another person and say this. This is what the Lord requires. This is what is yeah. good. This is what I, is commanded. I probably jumped to application there, but no, that's that, good. That was just me processing. Uh, the message that I got, I, I drawing from those that observation of where it says, "Has God commanded? Has God commanded? Has God commanded?" And then contrary to His command, and then that little that little you know uh, poem there, uh, where I'll be treated as holy. Um, I, I think I, uh, the message is perfect obedience is required for those who would be in God's presence. Perfect obedience is required for those who would be in God's presence. Now that's a, like, as soon as I say that, that's like a, that's a pretty heavy thing to consider because we, you know, we, we talk about being in God's presence and we want to be in God's presence and uh, we, we expect that this is something that, that we're going to be able to do. But the, sometimes it can be easy to kind of lower the bar and say, well, God just does that because he's fine, whatever. He kind of shrugs the things off. It's like, well, actually there's a massive barrier if someone's going to be in God's presence. And so I, obviously the resolution to that um, in, in Leviticus has to do with, hey, there's sacrifices to take care of sin. Uh, but for us, the ultimate resolution of that comes with Jesus. Like there's one guy who actually, he, he wasn't like any of these priests who had to offer a sin offering for his own sins and, and, you know, and didn't listen to the commands and didn't go the right way. Like Jesus approaches God holy and obedient and, and is able to access God's presence in a way that no one else could because he was, he was perfectly obedient. Right. So when perfect obedience is the sacrifice on the cross, then immediately you get the, the tearing of the veil that separated people from the, the Holy of Holies, the presence of God in the temple, when you read about the, the crucifixion of Jesus. So yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Hmm. Let's talk about the A in comma, application. How do we respond? What do we do? One of the dangers I have noticed in my life is the longer you walk with the Lord, the more you tend to take things for granted. And this is a good reminder that holy things should be treated as holy and unholy things should be also treated as unholy. Mm. Um, And to not get loose or flippant with with those categories and the presence of the Lord. Um, And so, you know, that I haven't nailed my application in one sentence, uh, but I'm trying to to land the plane on that because I know for sure that I I can tend to treat things in a sloppy way um, and and I don't want to do that. Yeah, I I mean, I guess I... I like I said I kind of jumped to application when we were talking about my message but it's it's just that thought of being sure that I'm when you find yourself in situations 
I think you can ask that question. Like, this is—is is this something that would be pleasing to God? Is—is is this a holy thing? Is this an unholy thing? Um, and yeah, I think sometimes you—you get—you can get sloppy. You can get kind of settle in and maybe make excuses or whatever. Um, so I think just being more mindful of that truth is important. Yeah, I, I think my my application is kind of twofold uh, in terms of perfect obedience. I mean. You know, the, the command that we're going to run into here in Leviticus, you know, be holy as I'm holy, it's going to come up a bit. Um, it's, re- it's actually repeated in the New Testament. So there's a, there's a, a degree of saying, like, look, I, don't, I, I, I can't just sort of brush off my sin. You know what I mean? Like, there are things I get sort of used to, like kind of low-level sort of stuff that, like, sticks around, and it's like, well, it's, it's not flagrant. No one's calling me on it. But it's like, no, I, I, like, holiness is holy, you know? And the privilege of being with God says, I, I just can't. I can't tolerate those, even the, even the little things. I say, no, that, that's really, that's, that's a big deal. Um, so that's the first application is say, like, no, actually take a, obe- obedience seriously, even in the things that you've grown lax in. But then, then the flip side is that, you know what? Um, when, I, when I have failed to be obedient, to continue to hold on to the perfect obedience of Christ, that when I stand before God, it's not because, hey, you know, I, I did good enough, you know? Uh, in some ways, this the, I'm not in the situation of the priest because I've got Jesus, who is my high priest. And so there's uh, a sense of, of resting in that and, and being confident in that and appealing to that uh, when we fall short. Because there, there's we, we will not accomplish perfect obedience in this life as much as we strive, as much as we need to keep that in mind. Um, Jesus is the one who actually gives us access to God, and we can confidently hold on to that uh, because he's been perfect. Uh, that's good stuff. Well, friends, thank you for joining us today. We hope that uh, you'll join us next Monday, and we hope that you did take away some really interesting things from this passage. Leviticus is going to be tough, but we're going to get through it together. Uh, oh, we're going to enjoy it. Yes. Hey, don't forget, we're, we're understanding, applying, and enjoying That's God's right. Word. That's right. We're going to do it. That's right. We're going to do it together. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. We're going we're gonna to prove that. All of it. We're going to prove it. All of it. Clayton, stop making fun of Leviticus. You have a bad <laughs> attitude. Uh, If you are not following along with the reading plan, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can also email us at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.